You are listening to Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast. Swung on, lines the deep left field, it is gone! It went deep right, Batista's going to wave goodbye, start the fireworks show! This is Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast, episode 133. I'm your host, Matt Lyons, and in this week's episode... We look back at some of our Indians MVPs as the the site counts down and writes about them throughout the week. We'll look at some former Indians players heading to the World Series and sort of just talk about our thoughts on the Nationals and Astros in the World Series and the Yankees not in the World Series, which they're not for the entire decade, which is also nice. Um, And we'll answer some of your questions. Joining me for all that and more is none other than Mr. Merritt Rolfing. Merritt, how you doing? I got a bug bite from a picnic. Ridiculous. I'm fine otherwise. It's been... It's been three weeks, and that's the biggest event that's happened. You got a bug bite at a picnic? Well, it was a nice picnic. Otherwise, had some sandwiches. That's good. Yeah, yeah. They ruin everything. Bugs are the worst. Well, you know, I don't. I don't. It may have been from something else. I don't know. But I got a bug. I blame the picnic. There's always bugs around. Other than that, it was only the only other place I was at was bars. So I mean, are there bugs at bars? Maybe I don't know. (laughs) I'm sure the little they're sneaky. They get everywhere. You know. It's true. Bugs Um, being so. Did you happen to beat a bar when the Indians uh, went on a five game slid there at the end of the? End of the season? No, I went to one of those games though. Um, it was That's shit. right. You were a trainer. You went to as a Nationals fan, didn't you? I went. No, I just went to Admit the game. It, as I was wearing my <laughs> Indians jersey, my Ryan, my, my, my Ryan Merritt Indians jersey. <laughs> At that point, it didn't matter, right? The Indians were out of it. Yeah, it was finished. Yeah, everything was over with. Well, no, I think they were. I think the one I went to because it was the Friday game. There was still a glimmer of hope. Was it the Friday or the Saturday game? Because I was going to try and go to the one where Sunday was the end of the season. Yeah, I, I think Friday was the one where they died. I believe <laughs> so that was, you... It was one. I don't know. They got shelled. That's all I remember. So it was one of those games. Yes, it was just a mess. And um, the Nationals proved they are a good team, and then they continue to prove that, which has been a lot of fun for this area for all you know, twelve thousand actual Nats fans and the other eight hundred thousand bandwagoning idiots. <laughs> I love. Yeah, so what is it like? Do people care? And like, is there a lot of buzz in DC? The fact that the Nationals are in the the World Series. Man, I can't figure it out to be honest with you because they, they just won an, a year ago, right? They won a uh, Stanley Cup. The the Caps did, and I I guess there's some fans, you know, but like through May you could get a ticket to a Nats game for five bucks. So they were like nineteen and thirty one. They were in the pits. Everyone was getting fired. No one in the city cared about them. It's, I mean, it's a city of transplants and it's a city of bandwagoners and half the seats at Nats Park are owned by lobbyists or congressmen, basically, um, who are owned by lobbyists themselves. Political commentary. Uh, but... <laughs> Pause for applause. <laughs> but, I don't know. There's buzz, sure. Like, you know, walking around town, you know, a lot of people wearing gear and stuff like that, but there was a fun um, little moment on, like, like after they, they clinched the their birth in the world series there was a guy down by the park interviewing people at during their little you know their people were like dancing in the streets and whatnot as, as one is wont to do i was like hey how and the guy was like you guys have a great time right huh how long have you been a nats fan since today and it was like you know just moments like that are it, it kind of encapsulates dc sports fandom the only thing team people care about here is the redskins which is itself embarrassing on so many different levels um so they kind great. of embrace the fact that everybody's a bandwagon I, like I guess so. I mean, I mean, which isn't if, terrible. I don't think. I've always said the bandwagon fans are fine. Like, they I mean, build look, up your fan base. The the teams in DC aren't ever going to do badly as far as ticket sales and stuff because, like I said, all the tickets are half the tickets are sold to either lobbyists or you know guys who work at Raytheon or whatever. So they'll always be fine, and it's great for people like me who just want to go to a game for cheap because you buy one in the secondary market for for nothing because they just you know 
said lobbyists just post them there for nothing. You know, I'm going to be able to see the you know the Golden State Warriors come to town to play the the Wizards in like January or February or something. I probably should get the scene for forty bucks, which would be great. Now, I don't know how much you read our comments on stuff, but uh, you wrote about finding the little things in October, which I, was I, like uh, I'll be honest, I avoided those comments because I, I, I was I was I wasn't super happy with that article. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, you wrote about Michael Brantley, which is awesome. Of course, he's great, and we all still love him. But then you said the Astros were the the good guy team. And then I don't yeah, think do we not feel that, that way? I, think, I don't know. <laughs> I think people have turned on the Astros. <laughs> Shit, really? Like we uh, were talking before the podcast, like about the Yankees. It's just the fact that they're winning so much now that for a little bit they were the upstart, the the plucky team who was using analytics, and and then they started winning so much. And now people just hate them. I think is what they've turned. I, and also I they have Roberto Ozuna, which is a completely valid sure. reason to hate them. But I think even beyond that, it's just they're winning so much, and they're they've been accused of cheating and. <laughs> They they cheated against the Indians, and so I think that people have turned on them a lot, even though they are interesting. If you strip out a lot of context, I think like you wrote about, they are a fun, they have fun players, mm-hmm. and also one really shitty human being as a player. But sure, garbage. But hey, Jose he Altuve, and, in, so yeah, 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 and uh, Jordan Alvarez, and and the, the what the George Springer pitchers. and Correa and Bregman, who was fantastic. I mean, again, they're they're they're, they're stacked. They're they're they're, they're Brantley. I mean, there's a big one there. Brantley, the yeah, exactly. Michael Brantley yeah, Michael could Brantley, get a yeah. World Series. Yeah, which did you see in the the last game against the Yankees? I mean, Michael Brantley, the guy who we thought would be shifted to DH anytime soon, he made a huge diving play and then threw a missile. Like, where did that arm come from? <laughs> and he caught him. He got a double play. And my favorite part about seeing that was when Brantley was diving, somebody caught a good picture of it, and that tongue was out. Like, in the Michael Brantley tongue where it's not all the way out of his mouth, he just, like, pushes it against his teeth. I was like, oh, man, I remember that. It looks so familiar. And I missed I- it. I have to be honest. I never understood where the Michael Brantley doesn't have a great arm thing came from. I always, because that was a classically Michael Brantley play. It's I don't have the range to make the play like a normal human being, so I'll make it look epic. <laughs> That's true, yeah. But he, he's in I my memory, he he, he's like, always I'm, had I'm not a pretty, at the numbers, but for a left fielder, I've always thought he had a good arm because he was. It was the one almost saving grace whenever they put him in center was that well at least he can you know maybe throw someone out when they're casually advancing after he couldn't get to the ball, but. I I I've always I've always had it in my head that he could at the very least you know throw the ball well. And after hearing like John Smoltz talk about his inability to throw or other guys, I'm like, in my head, that's always been a thing. It's one of his three qualities: being awesome, his arm, and his contact ability. So yeah, see, I never had that. I never thought it was his arm was. I thought everything about his outfield defense was pretty much bad. <laughs> like there was, I mean, there's even people that thought his range was good. So I guess nobody really knows anecdotally like what no. Michael Brantley is. It depends no. on who you ask. And you're right. I've never looked at the numbers, like some people so. will tell you he's just great altogether in the outfield. Some will tell you it's his range is the issue. Some will tell you his arm. So I guess I mean, and the the defensive numbers, of course, are so still weird to to yeah. look at. So we don't know for sure. But I guess he had a much better year this year, which is even more depressing considering what the what the Astros signed him for and the Indians let him walk for. Well, and and we always have to look back to, I, I think, a, a perfect reasoning a way to kind of square that is, I guess, looking back to what the Astros did to the uh, the Indians in that, what was that, 2017? I mean, the the Astros are just so much better at finding the best and the, the best in their players than any other team. Like, even after all this time, they're still far and away in front of people. And you add to that the fact that Brantley has got to play 81 games in uh, – what amounts to a band box, even if you're a left-hander, but hence the 22 home runs, you know? Uh, 
we yeah, always do like coming. High, which was surprising. I always thought I remember Brantley hitting more home runs, but now that twenty one is seared in my memory because I think we, a couple of years ago we did a, a, a Let's Go Tribe like guess how they're everyone's going to do, and I said Michael Brantley's going to have more than twenty home runs, and everyone called me stupid, and I was like, "See everyone, you're stupid, not me. You're <laughs> take the that, dumb one." Everyone, yeah, this would be was... a whole post. It's just take that. I guessed it right, but that's the thing too. Like, yes, he was. I, I, I don't know if other people are surprised with how well he he did this year, but I, I expected it if only because he's not that fucking old, you know, like he's still 32, 33, whatever. Like he's, he still has the ability to do things like this, uh, at least for another year or two. So yeah. It, is inexcusable the right word to say for the fact that the Indians didn't bring him back? I shift between saying yes and no, like two years, $32 million. The Indians obviously loved him. He loved the Indians. There was a whole thing about everybody cried when he left. Like, give him the money 16 million dollars a year and you really couldn't do that like you paid danny salazar whatever you paid him well having that be the number the the 32 over two years is what makes it borderline you know and and you know compounding that is obviously the amount of um not offense they got from jason kipnis for a similar amount of money i think or maybe who i don't even maybe not even so i don't, I don't remember how much he was getting paid his last year but Yes, no. But they also couldn't have gotten rid on. Yeah, they couldn't have gotten out from underneath that money of Jason Kipnis. He was still on contract. So. I know, I know, but it's um, you know, we're, we're we're just pointing out where where they fucked up and where they where and where they fucked up because they fucked up. You know, it's an issue that compounds I mean, itself. That's a I super guess. bad one. Yes, no, exactly. Just because if they had had him starting in April, I think that changes the complexion of the season entirely. That's a couple more wins in April that they pick up that they didn't before, and that means that they're in the playoffs, which. Yes, that's just that it'd be, it would have ended disappointingly, but it would have still at least been a bit less of a disappointing season. Even though I had a lot of fun this year, we would have at least gotten to watch. You know, the the, the lineups in in um, April wouldn't have been the horror, the, just the horror shows I don't they were. Think about that again. I thought about right. it too much. I don't want right. to envision like, that outfield. There would have at least been Michael Brantley once every nine at bats. You know what I mean? Which is it, we we dealt with that back in you know several years ago. I mean, went with other players where we at least had one guy to circle in, in the lineup and go, well, at least we can watch him in a few at bats. So, uh, but yes, it's, um, it's disappointing that they weren't able to find $32 million to keep him around because he is such a fan favorite and he's still, you know, probably the most beloved departed. He's going to be end up probably being the most beloved departed Indian, um, of this kind of core. I think, I mean, he's up there with what, like Victor Martinez, as far as I would, I agree, you know. I think I think that's that that is one hundred percent the the caliber and the level that he's at. Like everyone loves Jason Gibbons, but he was never for one year he was the offensive player that Brantley has a capability to be. And uh I think just, you know, we don't remember that very well only because he was hurt a couple of times. But when he's healthy, Brantley is one of the best hitters in baseball and it's just Yeah, I think Brantley had enough good years towards the end. I think Kipnis uh, as unfair as it is, like his last few poor years are going to erode the opinion of so many people that he's not going to be in that same echelon of. Like he was cool, but at the same time, you know, it's like you know he wasn't. I think it's also interesting that um, like CC Zabathia retired. I didn't see. I mean, I, I guess it's just been so long and nobody associates with the Indians anymore that there wasn't a ton of. I mean, people still remembered him and remembered CC fondly and everything, but it's not. There's no connection to Cleveland anymore, pretty much. Nah, he hasn't played with the Indians for 11 years. You know, it's like yeah. his last year was he was traded in what May or whatever 2008. So yeah, I think more people even associate him with the Brewers because of what he did in that half season. That it's a, it goes like Yankees, Brewers, Indians is the well, and that's which the is thing fine. About, I'm happy for CC. I still liked him in Cleveland. Yeah, and, you think about his career. He was with the Indians for what 2001 or 2008, and so much of that was 
it was the potential you saw in him. Like he'd come out and just deal filthily for, and then get shelled the next game. And then he won that Cy Young in 07. Um, I think that's th- that's the reason he's not remembered more as as this you know former Indian. He's like not like say Manny Ramirez will be. Manny Ramirez has a has a is ensconced in Indians lore in a place that I think C. Sabathia never will be simply because he was never quite what he could become, I suppose. And then as soon as he left, of course, he had his God, you know, he has God tier run for a year or two there. So I don't know. I may, maybe, and maybe I'm misreading that, but I just feel like he was never quite what he could truly become with the Indians, for, except for one year, obviously. And it was just such a brief moment, like with Cliff Lee too. I think Cliff Lee is another good example. When you think of Cliff Lee, he's a Philly, even though he's, I think I still see him as an Indian. I think I do, and you Not do, obviously. Of, yeah, I guess. But like, see, I don't even see CC as an Indian. I see him as a Yankee first now. But like, I own a Phillies Lee jersey. It was on sale in uh, on the street corner in New York City for half off six dollars because I wanted to get rid of it so bad. I was like, ooh, three dollars for a shirt, eh? All right. I can't wear it around here very much because it says Phillies. And somehow, even though no one cares about baseball here, they still hate the Phillies. So some things. Something's never. Is that a rivalry? The Phillies and the Nationals. Well, everyone in the East hate just hates the Phillies, and plus they had they got Bryce Harper too. That, that's part of it too. So it's just it's it's if you hate one thing in in National League East baseball, it's the Phillies first, and then you figure it out from there. So this World Series is kind of, I mean, on the subject of Brantley being on the Astros, it's sort of a mini. Somebody from the Indians semi recently is going to get a ring. It's either going to be Jan Gomes or Michael Brantley, and then everybody also sort of forgets that as Jubal Cabrera is also on the Nationals. Um, he was traded for Zach Balders in 2014. Then he bounced between the Rays, Mets, Phillies, Rangers, and then back to the Nats. He was super good for the Nationals this half season, and then the, in the postseason, he's been nothing. But yeah, I mean, who between these three? I guess this is a dumb question because the answer is Brantley. But who do you want to see get a ring more? Is it Brantley, or do you or do you still love Abdul Cabrera for some weird reason, or maybe is it Jan Gomes? I mean, probably Brantley. I just you know, I mean, like I said before, I guess I, I miss. I didn't read the room correctly. <laughs> I just I've, I've, I I like the Astros a lot. I th- I think they're a neat team who's predominantly done things the right way. Except, you know, I mean the cheating I don't care about. Everyone cheats a little bit. It's fun. The the Roberto Zuna yeah, no, thing I'm I'm less than much of a fan of, but predominantly that's a great team. You know they have, they have players that I enjoy watching, and then they got him who was kind of the you know I mean he was the first hit only him and Francisco Lindor and. And then later on, uh, what's his name? Jose Ramirez have really gotten like, legitimate MVP consideration over this run. He was third in MVP voting in 2014, I believe it was. It wasn't a he was he was he had no shot because he was behind Miguel Cabrera and um, Mike Trout, I believe. But it was still a thing for a minute there, and he had that great year. So he was the first really great player I think the Indians had to come out of this. I know they had you know Kipnis and Santana were both turning into good players, but he. He made a certain leap that year that I think is special. So, and his Drupal, I I forgot he was on the Indians so recently. Like, I forget he plays frequently, but he's only like thirty three, and I always forget that he. For one, I forget that he was on the Indians so recently. It seems like a completely different team, even though it was only twenty fourteen. And I forget that he's even in the league, let alone on the Nationals, which I think a lot of people do. Well, because he just gets so little time to. I mean, the Indian, uh, the the Nationals rather have been trying to piece together the second base position between Dozier, Kendrick, and. Him obviously didn't they trade for him this year too? Yeah, because he was in Texas this year as well. Yeah, he wasn't great with the Rangers, and then he was awesome with the Nationals. In the little but like the, half they regular just, season he was there, he he's definitely doesn't have a starting position if only because Kendrick's been so good. And even Jan doesn't because it's it's who was it? Kurt Suzuki is he? Did he get injured? Or is he still playing? No, he's still playing. It's just Suzuki or rather Jan catches for uh, Corbin mostly. Um, they've kind of split it up, which 
and then also I think he catches for he he was the one who was catching uh, what's his name's failed bid for a no hitter Anibal Sanchez's. He's definitely a better catcher than Kurt Suzuki. That that is that is obvious when you watch him. It's not a knock on Jan, but I don't exactly miss that he's gone because I love Roberto Perez so much. So that's another one that if he gets his ring, fine. But I really want Brianna to get his. So I mean, well, I just for Jan too to be in there. But I mean, I love Jan Gomes. I think, and I wrote about this, but his entire career has been paying has been about things paying off for the Cleveland Indians. Whether it was they got him for Esmeal Rogers and um, along with uh, what's his name. Mike, Mike, little Mike, not big Mike, little Mike. Now I can't remember the guy's name. Uh, anyway, uh, and, and and they traded him again, and they, and they ended up with um, who who came back in that trade? Daniel Johnson, Daniel right? Daniel Johnson, and yeah, uh, Jeffrey Rodriguez, who helped. Yes, him exactly. Or, so Jeffrey, so, Jeffrey, yeah. So they, so they got vital pieces back for him. So he's definitely his entire career will be about feeding talent, you know, feeding talent and whatnot into the Indians. So it's nice. He's you know, it's not going to show up on any any histories of the Indians because you know the one year that the Indians were really great he was hurt the entire year and we ended up with Roberto Perez the entire season but uh, he's his existence has been one of the most important probably to the Indians overall successes over the last five or six years that's a hard thing to really you know see also he's been much worse than uh, Perez <laughs> he was offensively really this year so he was just not very good <laughs> that's a that's a rare win for the Indians this offseason was yeah, that young it, it, the yeah so I mean, if Daniel Johnson turns into anything, and by all accounts, he's going to turn into something, uh, that's just an absolute hoodwinking. winking. And I, I, I am very even if he doesn't, like the fact that it let Roberto Perez get free without, because I don't think they could have justified playing Roberto Perez over him, right? To give him playing time without, as long as Jan Gomes could still be average. But the fact that Roberto Perez is so good, at least for streaks at a time, then that alone, like no matter what, Jeffrey Rodriguez, they got a couple starts out of him that kept him afloat. Like at that point, they already won the trade. Um, but I think I definitely think Daniel Johnson is going to be something, which is going to just push the value so high. Right. He's a not Dan Johnson, Daniel Johnson. Stupid computer, honestly. So um, another thing we can do is that um, by the time this comes out on Tuesday, we'll be on Let's Go Tribe. We're counting down. We do our year in review, which in case anybody reads those every year and wonders why we're doing this first. Normally, we just do like the the random miscellaneous players, but everybody stops reading these things after a while. So I want sure to do. do the MVPs first, so I found it'd be more interesting, and then we'll just dump everybody else at the end, including Kevin Pilecki, who was the last one chosen to be written about. <laughs> we had our little pool of on our sign-up sheet. I think that was, he was oh, I had no idea what to write about him. Damn it, I would have done it. I, I love Kevin Pilecki. <laughs> I, I grabbed him eventually. It was like everybody else was picked, and then a day later, I looked, and it was just Kevin Pilecki. Blew away. Um, but yeah, this is a time where we can uh, we can look at. I don't want to get too ahead to, to spoil anything, but our top ten. Um, our, our 10 through six is the way we did it. We had every staff member go through and do their own. And then we, um, it was, it was a vote kind of thing. I said, if you got first place, you got 10 points and then so on. And, um, then you need to explain yourself with your number 10, but first we'll do uh, the staff, the way it came out with everything, which is what, if you're listening now and you've read everything catching up, you already know this, but it's Brad hand, number 10, Aaron Savali, number nine, Jose Ramirez, eight, Oscar Mercado, seven, and Roberto Perez, six. Um, so what do you think of those? The way they came out like that? Uh, we were talking before that we both had Roberto Perez higher than six, which I think is kind of incredible. Matt Schlickney had a number one, which I think there's there's a conversation for that, even though Shane Bieber and Carlos Santana and Francisco Lenore are all super good. You could you could talk me into Roberto Perez as the MVP. I had him as number, I think, five. Um, I, 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 just, I just jumped ahead, but I spoiled it. But anyway, <laughs> what do you think of the way the staff voting came out together? Brad Hand, 10, Savali, Ramirez, Mercado, and Perez. Thus far? Um, wait, what was the list again? Did you get... Oh, yeah, there he is, Lipwell. Okay, yeah, because I wrote, I wrote that article. Okay. I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, 
the only one I'd think... I mean, it makes a lot of sense to me, I think. Aaron Savale was a revelation. Oh, wait, you're right. I have it wrong. What am I doing? I knew it. I knew it. I knew I was okay. right, and you were wrong. <laughs> I was the right one. <laughs> I skipped Luplo. So it's Brad Hand is 10, Luplo is 9, Savali is 8, Ramirez is 7. There we go. And then Oscar Mercado is 6. And Roberto Perez is 5, since you already know the order of that. So that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, Luplo came in at 9. Which a platoon bat in the outfield being number 9 in the MVP building, is, it says something about the Indians, but also says how good Jordan Luplo was this year. Right. You know, I mean, the the flaw, of, I mean, and I wrote about this, and the the reason Mercado was 7th, despite becoming being a league average bat, was they needed stabilizing in the outfield, and that's really what they were missing the entire time. I'm actually a little surprised Hand made it at 10th. Did, did I vote for him? I probably did. But uh, he was, I think, and I think I, I have a little bit of a, kind of a, I wasn't too impressed. I did, I did put him 10th. Damn it. Why didn't I put, Fre- oh, I put him 9th. <laughs> you got Mike Freeman 10. Well, shut up. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> I mean, it's well, just, I had uh, Hand 7 on mine, and I, I, after writing about it and looking more into his numbers, because I wrote the, because he yeah. was number 10 for the staff, like, yeah. I probably would have had him lower and on the list. I forgot how bad he was in the second half. Because it, and that's the thing, you know, it's just like by the second half they were having to start piecing it together. And uh, if I were to say Indians bullpen as a player, then that would have been certainly you know ninth or eighth. But it's just things he was so not reliable in the second half. So, that, but the, by that same token, who else are you going to put there? Because there was there were steep drop offs with this team. If we're if we're being honest. There were, you know, this was as, as as close to stars and scrubs as you can get. It's it's where the any of their Pakota projections were coming from at the beginning of the year. You know, it was all like, well, their starting rotation's really good, and Ramirez and and Lindor are, are fantastic, and then they'll figure it out the rest of the way. And that's kind of why you see the back end of this whole choice being, you know, a, a bullpen guy, a a uh, platoon bat, and a rookie pitcher. So that being said, Zavali's fantastic. I I have such high hopes for him. And maybe I'm completely off base on this, but he's he's demonstrated such a, a combination of poise and I think actual raw like actual not even raw skill, a refined skill of how to pitch as opposed to just how to throw simply because he doesn't have the raw stuff to do it. That uh, no, it's I, I think it's I mean, honestly who else are you going to put there? I mean, the fact that Jose Ramirez came in seventh it was is a little or sixth or seventh whatever is a little depressing. Uh, well, I mean, considering he's like the flip flop of Brad Hand, how bad he was right. at the beginning, and then he turned right, around exactly, at the end. Yeah, and and I think that gave us a lot of hope going into the second, going into the next year, about how just just how good he was. And of course, Mercado, if he can just learn how to hit consistently, then maybe, maybe we got something. Yeah, and if this list was like a, a looking forward to twenty sixteen, I think or twenty twenty, um, Ramirez man. would be way back up there again. Like I'm, I'm yes. not worried at all about him anymore. No, same here. And I don't know what happened. No one knows. Bad luck, weird decision making, just weird sequencing. Because you know, and and that's that's just a weird thing that can happen to players or, or entire teams for an entire year. Just being, if you'll remember, it was twenty fourteen, I think, or fifth, one of those years they didn't make the playoffs where they should have been like ten runs or ten wins better, but it just they kept on scoring all these runs at the wrong times. And I think Ramirez was just hitting the ball. He was hitting the ball incredibly hard all year, but he just was. Pulling it foul or hitting it right at people or striking out a lot, obviously. So, well, remember the big issue at one point was he was uh, Matt Schlichting wrote about it is that he was trying to beat the shift so hard and then he just that it might have messed with him or something. But then his agent apparently told him just stop, just hit the ball the way you're supposed to, just pull the ball. And then we started doing that again. Like you can clearly see if you match up his WRC plus with his pull rate, like it's it is very much. It's when he stopped pulling the ball, he stops. There's a correlation. Starts right. Yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. I think that's pretty interesting that everybody just says, "Oh, just beat the shift." But if you 
if you've got as good as you are as Jose Ramirez by pulling the ball and hitting it far, then just keep doing that. They can shift on you all you want. If you're hitting it over their heads, who cares? I mean, literally, which is what I think he eventually learned. That's what Ted, that's what Ted Williams always said. You know, you can't you can't you, you can't put people in the in the, uh, in the bleachers. So just do that. Yeah. And the worrying thing is, is who the hell told him to beat the shift and kept telling him to try to do that. And this is, I think, the biggest question that will never be answered. You know, we, we oh yeah, we'll to, never know. There's no. But we will play. never know who who got into his ear about trying to go the opposite way. Like you can. So in 2016, he did do that, right? He didn't. He didn't just pull the ball consistently. He did spray the ball around a bit more. Like his his numbers were basically that of Michael Brantley, circa the year before, pretty much. And maybe someone said to him, "Look, man, they're always trying to get you." So just hit like he did in 2016, but that's two, that's two, three years ago. It's hard to do. He, he turned into something else entirely. And to say you can't win an MVP while pulling the ball, I mean, go look at you know Mike Trout's pull rate, for God's sake. It's not like he's going opposite field all the time. So there's, there's a reason everybody pulls the ball. It's because it works. You can't, you can shift it all you want. It's, it's really, I don't know if it's Van Berkeleyo was telling him to pull it. The guy I just who doesn't wish, change anything over eight years. Or... I just wish, <laughs> yeah, right. Let's say that. But I just wish we could just know. I just wish someone would. Just tell me. Like, I, like, that's the thing. Like, even if we got like a tell, uh, the most boring book on earth would be a tell-all of the <laughs> of the 2018, 19, like this era of Indians. But just small little questions like that are just things I want answers about, and I'll never have them. And that's fine. I just wish I had them. So what are you gonna do? Yeah. Uh, let's see. Anything, anything else interesting about our our ten through six? I can think of. I mean, you had Mike Freeman at ten. I, that's worth reiterating. Look, the point I had in my head when I put Mike Freeman at 10 was the same that I had when putting uh, uh, Luplo at like 6 or whatever I did. You had him at 8, and that's completely fair, I think. I think Luplo, um, I didn't have him there, but I can buy that It's one. just this entire – it's the entire team was trying to figure it out, and there were massive holes across the, roti- uh, across the roster. And Mike Freeman wasn't terrible this year. Maybe he was. I don't remember now. Uh, but he, he at least allowed for – I don't know. Utility players are important. Uh, and he was, I feel, played a vital, you know, what is valuable? Obviously, when we start talking about actual baseball, it's being, you know, valuable and winning games and, and whatnot. And being Mike Trout is what valuable is. But Mike Freeman was a league average bat with, you know, 213 plate appearances. And he allowed for guys to take days off and made it so there wasn't a drop off, I suppose, in I mean, God damn, it's better than playing Max Muroff, you know, or oh, God. Ryan Flaherty, which I kept Ryan doing even though Flaherty, they didn't have to. Or any of the Hanley Ramirez. Like he out hit Hanley Ramirez and, you know, it, it, Carlos Gonzalez, guys who actually have a history of hitting the ball well. He basically he was not that much worse than Yasiel Puig, for God's sake. <laughs> no, it is. It is definitely fair to put him there. It's. The, the thing with him was that his all his stats look fine, but then you look at like his baseball savant stuff and his exit velocity and expected yes, batting, no, average, and he is clearly going to drop off a cliff. Yes, no, and, there's there's nothing to there's no hope here. It's it's just right. what it is. But it's but yeah, if you know. you're doing MVP, I mean, you look at the results, and the results were that he's he's probably a number ten, which is where you had him, which I think is fair. But I just like it's Mike Freeman. If now if I was going to redo, <laughs> know, maybe I put Framil Reyes there because of smiles or something like that. I, don't I mean, know, you didn't but, have Aaron Savali on the list, so maybe he would have been number ten. Did I not have Aaron? I, I think I was a little put off by Savali just having like 50 innings or something like that. Yeah. Uh, what, how many is what 57 innings? And like I liked him a lot, but it's just I think not the, enough there. To... I, I think there was not a value in a wins over replacement thing because if we're going with that, then Savali just smokes uh, Freeman hands down. But in in terms of allowing the team to 
make it through 162 games, which it's a value in and of itself. Uh, I think that it wasn't quite there. Yeah, I'm pretty happy with how mine went with Freeman, Hand, Lupo, Ramirez, Clevenger were my about 10 yeah. through 5. And me and you both had Clevenger pretty low, relatively. Um, well, he's you know, he was on injured. the 10 through 6. And, and yeah, no, I, I, yeah. I, I, I just think that's what it is. Like He was injured, and at least that was in my, in my rationale. And there were just other guys who played more all season who were just as important. You know what I mean? So, yeah. And our weird beloved, you know, our, our, our weird love of, not even weird, normal love of Roberto Perez is unimpeachable, I think. <laughs> normal, was, healthy love of Roberto Perez. If I was going to do it again, honestly, I might, like, take Brad Hand out there and put, like, Whitgren or something in there instead, or, like, even, like, Oliver Perez, or I don't even know. It's just... Yeah, Whitgren, um, I mean, there were stretches where he was super good. and Right? That doesn't thing. I mean, bad games. I mean, even yeah, Nick Goody, he... He was really bad at the end. <laughs> I mean, he's yes. similar to Brad Hand. He had a good streak and then is just shit all over the place. But that seems like a lot, a lot of the, any of the relievers were. There wasn't one reliever who was good all season, was there? No. They, they had their ebbs and their I'm flows. I'm trying to think they all had. Yeah, Nick Wicker was you know reliable what? for the most part, but he was bad at points. And I will say, too, though, that's just. That's just that's something we, that, that, That's something that we have not. We have forgotten about as Indians fans because how good the bullpen was for so long. It just Sometimes your bullpen just shits the bed. And it just happens, and there's nothing yeah. you can do about it. They're just they're they're all pretty good pitchers who were you know whatever. In fact, I probably would have put Savali in, in, in place of Hand if, if I did it again, just because he was so important for those ten games that he did start. Yeah, home runs yeah. Neither of us had Plesac either, um, which I think yeah. Is I don't know about Zach Plesac, man. I don't know. I, yeah, yeah. Hundred. <laughs> I don't know. I just oof. I mean, he's, he's the same as like Mike it. Freeman, but as a pitcher, like he the results were okay, but clearly I, that that might not be lasting forever. So that was yes. that was my reason for not doing it. Was that um, I, I, my choice is basically Aaron Savali or Zach Plesak for number 10. And because of basically the reasons you listed that Savali just does so much so well that I, I had to put him as 10 over Plesak. He's like a lot more luck based so far. Yes. Yeah. There's, there's, there's way, there's more. way less to be excited about going forward unless you can learn to start missing bats or something, which is not something that is impossible. You'll get a guy like Shane Bieber, his strikeout rates have, uh, leapt precipitously, uh, between one year and the next. And I think Savali could do something very similar. He has a, his profile is similar to that of uh, someone like Bieber because he just doesn't have anything truly filthy, but the sum of the parts is truly great, and I can't wait to watch him. I'm mad it's the off season because I can't wait, <laughs> wait. I can't watch him every five days and just track the development well, anymore. The depressing part is going to be like with everybody back. It's Kluber, Carrasco, Clevenger, Bieber, and then it's it's gonna is, is it going to be Pluko Merritt? Is that it? Better fucking not be. Sorry to cuss, but Jesus is, is Christ. That... <laughs> how dare you cuss on my podcast i'd be, be cussing uh i don't i just i can't it's it's gonna be pluko man i just don't i'm scared at all, dude. it's I gonna be adam pluko i just can't watch him pitch anymore it's <laughs> his time is so far past at this point it was so short but it's already passed it, well, but i'm it, really worried it's gonna be pluko he's a man outside of time is his problem <laughs> He, he just warps been, in and out, and he—I've seen him blink before in the game where he just disappears and comes back. He just—he would have been so good in on the Twins 18, in two thousand seven oh. <laughs> or something. Yeah, an one of those like game winner, yeah. you know, just gotta get a, get a decent amount of ground balls, luck his way into an eighteen and seven record with a three forty <laughs> ERA. And we'll go, not a I think in a just world, it's going to be Savali, but <laughs> yes, I, what one can hope because I just—I'm yeah. hoping the the you know the work pans out in the off season. He. Gets a couple of ticks on the fastball or learns a change up or something. Um, 
Because, I mean, I, I, I know I love what he does when he pitches, but it also makes me nervous as hell because he's pitching up in the zone so much. You're like, God damn, he's going to get hammered anytime now. One of, one of these 92-mile-hour cutters is not going to cut. <laughs> and then and, it's all over. And then, and then he turns over. into Adam Plutko, oh, which is God, great. no. <laughs> Adam Plutko just Somewhere, doesn't throw any oh. good. Jesus Christ. I, just don't, I don't get it. Who doesn't? I don't get it. Plutko. He just doesn't throw any, oh, yeah, any no, good pitches. He's got nothing. No. Great guy. We go, we, I always feel like we should say that when we – Talk about yes, seems, seems like a, like a guy, nice but... guy, a good <laughs> nice fellow. I want to yeah. meet him, but yes, uh, he's got a cool dog. I guess his slider is pretty good. Pitch. Yeah, I just don't want. I mean, Savali's better. I think he has the high yes. upside, and but it's gonna be Pluto. So, Matt, what do you say we finish up uh, the episode, answer some questions, which I don't think we've done even in recent episodes. But I figured since there's not a whole lot going on anyway, we can we'll fill up some time with some questions that people might have. Which a lot of them revolved around free agents, which I think is going to be what happens between now and free agency. But we're I mean, there's only so many times we can say the Indians aren't going to sign anybody, but we can at least take one of them and then look. The issue is Mike Trout signed an extension, a 12 year extension. All right, that we was their only target was Mike Trout. We could, we can't get him. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> Turns out these contracts are ironclad. And he's going to with the until 20. <laughs> we tried to sneak in, but we just can't cut it up. The contract it doesn't you know, work like that. It's just, they got a digital we... and shit everywhere. Multiple hard drives. It's really I tried ridiculous. to use my katana. It would not work. <laughs> Some guy going to the Angels facility with his katana to free Mike Trout from the Angels. Free Mike Trout! <laughs> Sir, this is a... It, it's not even here. It's at the lawyer's office. <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, so our first question is... We'll, we'll start with the free agency one. At S. Brady Artist, he has... He says, So I have very unrealistic expectations. I don't want the front office should or Same. could do this offseason. And we'll certainly write a fan post about it. That'd be cool. As a coping mechanism. <laughs> um, but as <laughs> a coping mechanism is a good way to cope with it. It's just get it out there really therapeutic um, but what are some reasonable signings trades they could make for 2020 like future indian howie kendrick um i mean realistically it's it's like like what brian brian dozier is out there it's gonna brian be there it's gonna one? nothing's gonna change it's their typical find a veteran who they can catch lightning in a bottle and good luck hmm. right i mean I, I guess they could do i think puig's gonna be cheaper than we all think because he really hasn't been great over the last couple of years so maybe they could bring him back but it sure sounded like puig was saying goodbye to cleveland in his instagram post but he seemed to like the city a lot um if there's going to be a surprise, I think it'd be him. Um, it's Josh Donaldson's going to be too expensive, right? That's, yep. That could Josh be a surprise. Donaldson has surprise. earned himself quite quite some cake this year. Yes. Yeah. Although, again, you know, it's like he's thirty what four at this point, so right. You, you you could sit here and talk yourself into it if you really wanted to. But based on what we know about the Indians, they didn't make the postseason, so all that free agent money doesn't exist now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's how they operate. They don't. They they do their free agent. Um, signings based on the the bonus money they get from the World Series, which seems which is insulting and disgusting. Uh, right. Ryan Zimmerman thoughts. Yeah. Anthony Rendon, get out of here! I already thought about that. <laughs> no, get out of here, you crazy boy. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 well, I guess we have to take a step back and what are the holes? Second base. I mean, it's either um, second or third if you put Jose Ramirez at one. Yes, of them. exactly. Yeah, he doesn't way, want to so move around, but you pick one and you can. I'm, I'm picking second because I prefer him to stay at third. Uh, second base and I think the issue there is second. You have fewer options. There's a lot of good third basemen, but uh, I guess it's true. also the <laughs> the Indians aren't going to get one of the good third basemen. Right. So who cares? <laughs> right. And then uh, an I guess... outfield spot, maybe I don't know. Cole Calhoun. I don't know. He stinks. Uh, Todd Frazier is <laughs> a free agent. I think. I don't want Todd yeah. Frazier. I don't know how you feel about Todd Frazier. I mean, Marcel yeah, Ozuna. I wanted him a couple years ago. He could be like a rebound candidate and only 29. I kind of like that idea. Rebound for what? Hitting 27 home runs having a pretty good year? Wasn't he good this year? I thought Marcel Ozuna was pretty bad this year. I thought he was, was pretty it, good Wasn't he just year. bad in the outfield, maybe? 
Yes, he was I just trash in the outfield. Is the issue? Okay. Yeah, I mean, he had, oh, right, I well, so. he had an 800 OPS. I mean, he wasn't fantastic, and all of that's the, what um, I've wanted. I've wanted him on the Indians for a while. He's all of Saint Louis. It was Yasiel Puig and Marcelo Zuna when he was super good. I wanted him on the Indians. Right? No, exactly. I remember I won MVPs with him in um, out of the park baseball. There's um, this fellow named Carlos Gonzalez. He's a free agent. Get out of here. Podcast <laughs> over. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think at this, they're not going to do a big outfielder. I think if if they do surprise us, I, I think if you count Yasiel Puig as a surprise, maybe they could do that. Um, well, it's just if Josh Donaldson of, ends up like Edwin Encarnacion a few years ago, maybe all they need of? is a they need a left-handed right fielder and an, and, a, and a left fielder. And I don't think that they're really going to try and go after a left fielder necessarily because they probably want to see what they have in one of the young guys. They oh, have. You say so Jake got, Bowers. I'm going to listen. You got to shut mind. up and believe in Jake Bowers. <laughs> all right. I mean, you it's, know, Grant Brisby even called out the Indians. On, he said the he when Michael right after Michael Brantley made his catch, he just said the he just pointed out that the Indian starting left fielder was Jake Bowers with 78 WRC plus. Look, you got to believe in the kid, all right? He's still so young at 29 or whatever the hell. Is. I don't even know how old he is. <laughs> I think but, he's way younger than 29. I know. Yandy well, Diaz is 29. Right. Well, and that's the thing. You know, I mean, Jake Bowers is still – he was the youngest guy on the team all year. And it was a team that had a bunch of rookies on it too. I don't know. I'm not saying that he is the hope, but the hope is one of Jake Bowers or any of these other young guys. Like see, Greg see Allen, Bradley, Bradley Zimmer's Zimmer, going to be back. Greg, that, Greg that's Allen, the reason I don't think like, they're going to get anybody is. Right, exactly. They, they, they have – they're going to hope for the best, I think, again. And then for right field, I don't know. I, I, what, who's a right fielder? Who's a left-handed right fielder they could go after? Let's see. I can't even pick a right-handed. This stupid website. I hate this. Uh, Lonnie <laughs> I mean, is Jason Howard, Jason Hayward, he's, is he right-handed? I don't know. Adam Eaton's out there. He's not very good. I mean, Adam Jones, if they want to not let that slip away again. Although, he'd finish not very good, but that's going to be a conversation again, is that the Indians can shine him, even though I don't think they should. But... Um, Lonnie Chisholm. That's what they need. They need, a le- they need a lefty right fielder, and that's Lonnie Chisholm. He's coming back, baby. <laughs> I would not hate that. Pair him no, with Jordan Luplo. I'd love it. Are you kidding me? Two years yeah. ago, that was, that was that was an amazing platoon. That whether they had in left field or right field. Brendan Geyer and um, yeah, hi, yeah, him and him and Chisholm was, was ridiculous. Now Chisholm will fall apart, so they need to get a different right fielder. But <laughs> yeah, Chisholm didn't even play this year for the Pirates. Which no, is yeah, like, yeah, fun. Yeah, he, he didn't do anything. He's so he'll be healthy. You know, he'll be he'll be rested up. Yeah, that's the best I could think of. I'm sorry, question asker, because that we have. We, that, yeah. Anyway, I, I do want to know what his um, what his unrealistic expectations are. So what they could should do. Uh, well, obviously, Anthony Rendon, like Josh Donaldson, mm. Anthony Rendon. I think the Donaldson one is is less unrealistic than the Rendon one for so many reasons. But this is the specific one being you can sign it for two years. Right, yeah. I mean, Rendon is he even going to take a two-year contract? You know, that's that's the thing. Like, is he I mean, just stuck taking? Like, right, exactly. I mean, he had a yeah. great year, but the way baseball is played anymore, it's like we don't want to sign you to extend a contract because we're dicks, so we're not going to do it. And everyone's <laughs> like, "You guys are dicks." Yep. So, but I mean, we've yeah. we've talked about it before. I don't think there's they're bad contracts. Like, you're not going to get well, him to do that. Josh Donaldson should be should have like half a billion dollars already because of how good he was when he was younger that's the yes no yeah exactly he should have signed a 500 500 million dollar contract six years ago or seven years ago something like that but he was he was trapped under a shitty contract he should have been allowed to and not making half a million dollars because of arbitration and precisely the minimum garbage yeah Yeah. i mean he's not gonna walk away with a Um, dickload of money but it's still depressing (laughs) right yeah and again the, the issue is never that the the baseball players are rich it's that the owners are so much richer, like countless the times, and they yes. just have the money the, in their hoarding. The, yeah, yeah. These, these owners are wealthy and, and not spending the money on things that matter to us, the fan. 
and yeah. they can, they can kiss my ass. Just getting yachts, <laughs> big houses. Yeah, they're getting three hundred. Um, they're trading in their two hundred million dollar yacht and getting a three hundred million dollar yacht with a, with a custom made. <laughs> and then they can't afford to pay Michael Brantley thirty two million dollars over two years. I Dolan. hate you, Dan Snyder. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so our next question, we'll, we'll wrap it up with this one, is at NLP4HDH. He says, I hope I'm not too late. You're not. It was good timing. Um, who's to blame on Yandi and Geo flourishing at other destinations? Um, and then the second part, would, would Mickey ever come back? The first part, I think Giovanni or Shella, maybe we've talked about this on the podcast, I don't know. I don't blame the Indians for that. They no, gave God, him no. plenty of chances. Yeah, he, he left was... like eight years ago. <laughs> it was forever ago, to be honest <laughs> with it, you. It clearly wasn't just the Indians. The Blue Jays missed it, too. Um, yep, he was so yeah, exactly. bad offensively. The defense was always there, and I don't know. Mm-hmm. He's been really lucky this year with the Yankees as part of it. Um, I'd and be really happy for him stadium, if he succeeded. Yeah, so. uh, it would have been really. I would have loved for him to stick around in Cleveland and had it work out where he was good offense. Him and Lindor were such good friends. Just imagine the Indians infield if he could hit the way he did in New York this year with Urshela, Lindor, and Jose Ramirez all playing defense. Carlos Santana at first base and Roberto Perez. That's the best infield in baseball. If, they could spend if, even less money on their outfield then. Think about that. <laughs> That's what I think about is just how little money they can spend. That's what I'm aiming for is for the Indians to save money. Can you guys um, cut, cut, cut payroll a little bit, please? Just cut it a little bit more. Just a little bit more. Thanks, guys. Yandi, Thanks. I think, is is all on the coaching staff. I mean, whether it's Tito not giving him playing time, Van Berkeley, clearly when he got to Tampa Bay, it wasn't that hard to fix him. They knew what to do, and he had He's not better. doing anything different, Matt. He's not doing anything different at all. If you look at his batting profile, it's the same. It's it's This is purely on, on Terry Francona's stubbornness to not play him. Yeah. It's purely because he wasn't bad either when he was in Cleveland. Like his, no, his numbers <laughs> are, are are damn near the same. Like that that's the thing. If you if you give a guy a chance to play, he he's, he will eventually settle in, and 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 the numbers will you know shocker. How that works. Literally, he has the same exact OPS over the last two years. Uh, I mean, yes, we're talking about a difference of one hundred nine to three hundred seven uh, at bats, uh, but in a batting average drop. You know, but, but regardless, it's. He's not doing anything different. He just was able to play, and like I said before, this is this this falls not even on quote unquote the coaching staff. I think this falls purely on 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 Terry Francona not wanting to play him because he wouldn't. Take I don't know or whatever the bullshit was. Well, what or he wanted to play Jason Kidman because he's one of. I I I don't want to get into the whole his guys argument, even though I know it's a thing. Uh, this is I think one of the problems with having a cult of personality type manager. Which is a dying out thing. There's what three of them left at this point, maybe, and I don't even know who the third would be. But for the most part, managers today are are an extension of the front office, and they do basically what the front office suggests is the right choice. And I don't know if the front office said, "Hey, maybe you should play him," and he said no. But the fact is, if you have Terry Francona, you're paying him as much as you are. You can't tell him what to do as much as you can tell Gabe Kapler or Tori Lavulo or. Who's another manager? I don't know. <laughs> struggling to think of three major league managers. Uh, They're so faceless now. Like Gabe Kapler's fired. He can't even do him anymore. Damn it! Really? Shit! Uh, <laughs> that's right. He didn't get fired. Uh, Alex Cora, or you know, I like know. I, the manager of the Astros, whose name escapes me at the moment. AJ I'm sure Hinch. he's a AJ Hinch. Yes, I'm sure he's a good manager. But a, it's the American League. Cause I, there's many levers to pull, and b, he just you know. He doesn't really have to do all that much. He's again an extension of of what Lunau wants. It's it's simply the function of what the which I I think we're learning that's a desirable thing to find somebody who's willing to accept those numbers as what they do. Like you well, could you can give him all the numbers he wants if he's not doing it then right. It's and and I think that's just and you you read this a lot on if you follow a lot of like hitting and pitching Twitter guys. You know the 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 the, 
the thing the Astros do better than anyone else is communicating the the numbers to the player in a way that shows them how they can best be better. You know what I mean? So it's like yeah. when 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 Cole got there, it's like stop throwing sinkers. And he's like, Why? This. Oh, all right. <laughs> and he stopped doing it. And now it's he's that conduit. It's the yeah, it's the most important thing is just letting them giving them somebody who can relate the information to him. I don't know if it's Hinge or somebody on the Astros is really good at it. But like um, you look at someone like Gandhi Diaz and it's just everyone in the world could see this happening. You know? Everyone yeah. like you know, it's, it's like I read a, an article a while back about um, when when football coaches make stupid decisions or whatever. You know, like yes, they've been doing it for twenty five or thirty years, but just because they've been doing it that long doesn't mean they can't do dumb things every now and again. There's times when we, as as just normal human beings stand, standing from the outside, can can be more right than the guy who has thirty years of experience. Experience isn't the only thing that makes it good. You know what I mean? So. I mean, it, that makes it bad sometimes is when you're repeating the same mistakes over and over and it looks right to you when you're that close to the action. Like sometimes it's it's better to have the perspective of somebody. But I think usually in baseball, that ends up being the front office who can see it a little bit further away than a manager mm-hmm. and they can figure out which numbers to use. And even in football, I'm sure there's, I don't know how much front office input front offices have for coaches yet, but I mean, at some point there's going to be guys who can take a step back and see everything with a wider lens than what starting coaches do. Okay. So Yandy Diaz's batting profile, just, just for those curious, uh, his ground ball rate dropped two percent, basically. His fly ball rate jumped nine percent. His line drive rate dropped five or six percent, and he started pulling the ball four percent more. I mean, yes, these things. are these are changes. Yes, you're right. But I I just I don't know if how much of what he was doing last year was it, again it was only what 107 at bats. Like how much of that was noise or whatever, you know? So. I, I'm I'm going to I, I, I Terry Francona is a fine manager, one of the best of all time. I think he'll be in the Hall of Fame one day. But this, I think, is a glaring mistake. That I don't think the Indians are going to pay for it for the next however many years. Like he was only what one and a half wins above replacement this year. He was a fine bat, not not some MVP. Yeah, but it's still it, it looked, it looked really yeah. bad the first half of the year. That's for darn sure. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. but I, I I just it's it's frustrating when things like this happen, and you're just like, why? Yeah. Yeah, one. What was his one, <laughs> first half? One twenty-one. It wasn't even that, that that great. But yeah, yeah anyway, March and April, one fifty-eight um, WRC plus. That looked really bad. There it is. And second half of his question: Would Mickey ever come back? I hope not. It's <laughs> based on what we read in um, yep. the MVP machine. It was no, nope, I don't want him back. He is very much an old school. He's he would be. I'm sure Terry Franklin would love him back. It's he's a very old school, do it my way kind of thing. I don't want. I want less of those people. Yeah, I want I want people who actually embrace what's actually happening in actual baseball. Is, is baseball today my, my most favorite version of the game I watched in my in my entire life? No, not really. But that doesn't matter. What matters is, for these guys is the winning. And if you're doing something in the way you do things is getting in the way of winning, then maybe it's time to make a change. <laughs> yeah, and and this doesn't really have anything quite to do with it. But I've been, I thought about this a long time ago, a while now, especially that his name's coming up for the Mets. Like Eduardo Perez is a guy that. I listened to MLB Network radio quite a bit, and it, it seemed yeah. like maybe even just recently as a year ago, he was not a guy that was – he just didn't seem like he was that advanced on everything. But now he's always at, like, Saber conferences. He's always – he's on more shows than MLB Network. He seems like a really smart guy, and he was really able to adapt to it. I don't think he was too much into it to begin with, but he's the just one that, that alone. The, he does the, the, the StatCast broadcast with Mike Petrillo yeah, like, and, and Jason Benetti. Yeah, exactly. And he's so good, too. Even if he wasn't – if he got to this point and he's still, if he's not as good as like AJ Hints, the fact that he's learned so much and changed so much, that enough would be like, I want him as a manager. I would love to that's, have him manage the Indians. And 
And what you just said is is the most surprising thing to me is that he it's evident that he learned right. He, it's evident right, that yeah. he he noticed something happening in baseball and he adjusted to it. Um, the Houston Astros didn't walk anyone intentionally all year. I'm, I'm sure everyone knew that, but it's still one of the craziest things in the world to me. These are things that teams who are on the you know on the forefront do and do not do. And meanwhile, Terry Francona is sack bunting what <laughs> seventy two thousand times. I mean, twice a week. This is. <laughs> it's just you know again like I said before he's a great manager but when you have a cult of personality type of guy yes he was vital in I think getting the Indians where they are now maybe but this is just the the the, the lack of intellectual curiosity maybe could be one way that's to look a good at way to put it I don't know you know it's I, not that I, he's it's dumb just, he's just not interested in seeking you know, I, out new ways to do there's, things there's yeah. there's there's been studies that show that you stop really trying to actively learn sometime in your thirties and like and if you think about that I that that, that thought. And people you've talked to in your life and anything, writers, anyone. There's a certain calcification around 30, 35 that does oh, occur sure, yeah. in, in, a lot, in whether it's in industries, whether it's in your boss, whoever. Um, and maybe that didn't happen for Terry Francona at 35, maybe at 45, but whatever. And that's why, you know, someone like Eduardo Perez doing that is it's remarkable, as you said, because seeing a guy in his 50s or 60s or whatever, notice, realize and adjust himself to it. That should really be a rarity, yeah. but it is. It's it's, it's yeah. quite impressive, though. Yeah. So that's. I don't know. Yeah, I've been following his his stuff a lot recently. I I really want him to get a job somewhere, whether it's the Mets, poor guy, or he goes somewhere better. But because, <laughs> like you said, he's on Statcast broadcast. He's great. Um, yeah, I listen to some of his stuff at Saber. And what what I like about the stack him being on that is like Petriello. You know, he's he's a writer, and he just kind of he does what he he does, and he, he kind of points out the numbers in a raw sense, and Perez really turns it into baseball talk, and I think yeah. that is. That, that that is that conduit, you know what I mean? That's that conduit going from just these are some numbers to this is why this is important. I remember the the pirates were doing that a couple of years ago. They were, they were trying to they were a front office guy traveling with the team and stuff, trying to be that conduit. But oh, I think that's just yeah. the wrong way of yeah. psychologically doing it. it. Needs to be a it helps if it's a former Natural. player type or whatever, you know. I, I, like yeah. that's why I don't know maybe that's why it helped with Clevenger when Bauer was talking to him versus whoever. You know, it's got to be someone you trust. Yeah. Before you change what you're doing to become something different. Yeah. All right, Merritt. That's gonna do it for us this week. Um, next next time we talk, the World Series it probably shouldn't be over, right? When it'll it be start? over. Nats champions, <laughs> baby. Woo. Nats and four. I don't know. It'll either be a, a, a sweep or it'll be um, there'll be something to talk about anyway. The Indian will we'll probably be closer to free agency and actual news for the Indians out of the slowest month of the season when your team's out of it. So it'll be fun. We'll be around in the off season. Talking about the Indians, there's always so, something to talk about. We can just do random things. We can get weird with it in the podcast. So I'm love lots of stuff to do. So there's this beer you can get from uh, up near Baltimore, not up near Detroit, I think. Uh, it gets what? mentioned in a Kid Rock song called Strohs. Perhaps you've heard of it. Anyway, totally. The reason I, the reason I mentioned this is because it sounds like Strohs, <laughs> like Astros. And then also up in Baltimore is you can get National Bohemian or Natty Bo or Bo. Uh, is this a sign anyway, the Nats are going to win the World Series? Is well, no, I, I, I was just, <laughs> I was just saying, my brother last night was like, "Hey, Strohs and Bows, baby," because DC doesn't have its own beer. <laughs> but the the most local garbage beer that we have is Natty Bow. So anyway, that's go. just an idle thought I had last night that made me laugh. And clearly, Nats I, and four. That's, there we go. There you go. On that note, Mary, fucking it. See you. <laughs>